Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people who know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. So glad that you've gathered to begin this week and this new year in God's house of corporate worship. For those of you that are joining us online, we're glad that you're with us, with us as well. We know that many are still out of town. I even have family members that are in their car driving home right now, tuning in with us to worship. And we're so glad that everyone is here today in God's house. I have a question for you as we begin our time together today. How is your life different today than it was 365 days ago. Now, come on, that's a natural question on a day like today. It's a natural question in a corporate setting to ask, how is your life different today than it was 365 days ago? Do you have a new job? Do you live somewhere brand new? Has sickness crept in? Parents, are there fewer birds in your nest today than there were last year at this time? Maybe, maybe this year, all of a sudden, because you've taken on a new hobby this year, you're a better cook in the kitchen. Last, last year at this time, your meal was worth nothing, but today you're looking forward to it. You've picked up a new hobby. Are you able to walk around the block without huffing and puffing any longer? Are you single now, but healthy? Was last week's Christmas even more special because now there's a grandchild in the story? I heard from that quadrant right there. <laughs> twins even, twins, amen, double the blessing. Has someone that you've prayed for and prayed for and prayed for Receive Christ as their savior this year. Maybe you began 2022 with two people inside of your walls and now there's only you. We have reached the finish line of 2022 yesterday. Today is a new day. It's a new year. May God grant us strength. As our video showed, may God make us sturdy in the days that lie ahead. You'll remember last year, 365 days ago, we had a brand new senior pastor and he led us in a beautiful season of life as we looked at the book of Nehemiah and we stayed in our sermon series called All In for a number of weeks. Well, that's gonna be our starting point again today in this one sermon today, back in the Old Testament book, of Nehemiah. If you have your copy of God's word, I invite you to turn to chapter one. Chapter one and two will serve as our text this morning. I'll be reading the first four verses of chapter one in just a moment. And then I'll be alluding to different portions of those chapters throughout the body of our text today. But first, let me remind you a little bit a tiny bit about the background of this very special Bible book. The words in the book of Nehemiah are widely understood to have been penned by Nehemiah himself 
actually coming from outside of his own personal diary. And the book is written from the point of view of a visionary leader. It accounts the Jews' great determination to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, to reestablish worship of the one true God, and to strengthen their nation. The Bible states that there were three groups, three groups of Jews who left captivity to return to Jerusalem. The final of these three groups was Nehemiah. Zerubbabel led the first group and their goal, their aim, their objective was to undertake the construction of the temple. That was their job. That's what they set out to do. Opposition arose very quickly. Very quickly, opposition was there and that effort was placed on pause, but it was finally accomplished. Tragically though, these first returnees, they they abandoned their faith. They abandoned their beliefs just like their fathers had done and they turned their hearts away from God. That's the first group. 80 years later, Ezra led the second group in an effort to teach and lead in spiritual reform, to stir about spiritual revival. And then Nehemiah enters the story. As one reads Nehemiah, and I encourage you to do so, maybe even this first week of the new year, one will see the need of constant devotion to the Lord for a lasting and close relationship with God who is worthy of all worship, who always fulfills his promises, who gives us favor, who has his hand upon all believers who trust in him and who gives us mercy and protection to complete our assigned tasks or our callings. Nehemiah chapter one, one thing that's different from me from 365 days ago to today is I rely on these to read the fine print now. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter one, verses one through four. This is the word of God. The words of Nehemiah, son of Achaliah, during the month of Chislev in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned down. Verse number four, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You see, Nehemiah's calling, his task, his plan that God had for him was immediately in front of him. My prayer for you, whether you're on the bottom floor or on the balcony, my prayer for you, what God, I believe, has for you to hear today as the learners in the room is that you would choose today to follow the example of Nehemiah and tackle the God-sized plans, tasks, and callings that he has for you in 2023 realizing, focus here, realizing that God has a plan for you. 
The first element that was important to Nehemiah was to set out to have a tender heart and to be able to show a genuine concern for others. About 13 years after Ezra led that second group of Jews back to the promised land, Nehemiah, the acting cupbearer for the Persian king, heard about the terrible oppression and defeated spirits of the Jews in Jerusalem. The people were being disgraced by the neighboring nations and people. The wall of Jerusalem had been torn down. The gates of the city had been burned. There was economic depression throughout the land. Wealthy farmers were strong-arming persons to mortgage their fields and their homes for food. It's hard to talk about, but adults and children were sold into slavery to pay off the debts. And in addition to all of this personal suffering, as a people group, they were defenseless. They had no defense. The wall was down. The gates were not up. They were open to any kind of enemy coming in and hurting them. And as soon as Nehemiah heard the bleak and discouraging news about his homeland, he wept. The Bible says he wept and he mourned for days, day and night. It's not as if Nehemiah heard some information that didn't really prick his ears well and he just continued on about life. No, it forced, it caused change in Nehemiah's living in that moment. He wept and he mourned day after day, begging the Lord to help his people through these dire, ugly circumstances. My next question to you today is, what concerns or needs draw you to your knees in prayer? What makes you give up a meal? What makes you give up a hobby and instead devote that space and time in seeking the very face of God? Is it foster care and adoption? Is it providing for the less fortunate with food and clothing? Maybe you work at the local healthcare center that gives care to those that are in great need. Is it a deep focus on the darkness of human trafficking? Is it widow or widower care? What causes you to weep? What so surpasses the issues and details in your life that you might devote your time and your money and your talents and resources to it. For the English preacher William Booth, 170 years ago, it was the people of London that stirred his very heart. The people in London. He took his ministry from the platform and the pulpit and the round tables of the world and he took it into the streets where the people were merely trying to survive the poor, the homeless, the destitute, the addicts, the gamblers, the drunkards, the prostitutes. And when his fellow clergymen saw what he was doing and they disagreed with his new approach, William and his wife, Catherine, decided to do something different. They said, goodbye, traditional church. We're gonna do things differently. 
They set out to train and evangelize others to fight for the spiritual souls of England. And God did a great work. He did a great work due to the Booth's obedience. Persons came to faith in Christ and a groundswell of Christianity enveloped the entire area in which he lived. The Booth began their focus with the three S's. Have you heard about the three S's? Soup, soap, and salvation. Once they met that immediate need of food, once they helped a person feel whole again, they found that they were very receptive to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once one accepted Christ into their life as a convert, they became known as soldiers of Jesus they became known as salvationists. In the late 1880s, over 250,000 people came to know Jesus Christ because of the spiritual faithfulness of William and Catherine Booth. The biblical message of Christianity spread rapidly, gaining a foothold in the United States, in Canada, in Australia, France, Switzerland, India, South Africa, Iceland, and Journey excuse me, Germany. Today, the Salvation Army is active all around the globe in over 131 different countries, offering the message of God's healing hope and power to those in need. Why? Because Bill and Catherine were willing to do something different for the cause of Jesus so that others would come to faith and salvation in Christ alone. Bill and Catherine chose to have a genuine concern for others because they allowed God to make their hearts tender. Nehemiah's tender heart and deep concern for others was evident by his life and his actions. So in a brand new year of 2023, may you and I be benevolent in meeting the needs of others, both at home and as Jason so eloquently put it, in Belton, in Temple, in Salado, in Harker Heights, in Colleen, in Troy, and in Moody, and around the world as God impresses different needs upon our very hearts. You probably know this. I know you know this. The missions ministry at First Baptist Belton is tremendous. The missions committee that works under the direction of Dr. Jason Gish is always providing opportunities for you and I to be about gospel kingdom work. Whether that's encouraging us to give of our offerings, to give monetarily so that others might hear the hope of Christ. Whether that's spurring us on to be a part of uh, short-term mission teams. Whether that's encouraging us to realize the, the gifts and the talents that God has already given us as believers in Christ and to use those within our local mission partners and efforts. I implore you today, I'm giving you some homework. I implore you today to consider as you leave the building today to go out the back and off to my left is what we call Mission Central. And it's a hub, it's an opportunity, it's a place, it's a location where people will be there to greet you after the service to 
show you, inform you, tell you, encourage you how you might be able to show genuine concern for others and to exercise having a tender heart in our community and around the world, I implore you to visit Connection Central, which is that one, Missions Con- Mission Central, which is off to my left at the end of our service today. I implore you to consider doing that. And if you can't do it today, put it on your calendar for next Sunday. Not only did Nehemiah possess a tender heart and have a genuine concern for others, he also knew that it was imperative to be a person of prayer on behalf of his people. You can read about that in verses five through 11. Nehemiah's heart was so stricken with grief, a burden so distressing that he spent days in prayer and fasting. He pleaded for God to listen. He confessed his own sin. He confessed the sin of his people group And he asked God for forgiveness. He asked God for success. He asked God for compassion. His heart was broken. According to the model that Jesus would later give and teach his followers, Nehemiah asked, he sought, and he found what he was looking for. Nehemiah became an intercessor which is one who prays for others. One who prays specifically for other people. He looked to and he trusted God on behalf of his people. And if you, when you read through the book of Nehemiah, you'll find a dozen, 12, 12 prayers in this biblical book. And nine of them, nine of them were uttered by Nehemiah himself. And these were the kinds of phrases that Nehemiah had in his prayers. He said to God, please open your eyes. He asked God to open, open your ears, God, please. He said, be attentive. He also said, please remember. When you're praying for others, when you're seeking God's face, do you use phrases like that? I know I do. God, please don't forget about this person who's near and dear to me, don't forget about them. God, today is gonna be a difficult day for this family. I know this because they've told me about it. God, please be attentive to them all day long. The final aspect of Nehemiah's prayer was practical in nature. It was practical in nature, asking the Lord to make an opportunity for him to approach the king, because he wanted help and favor to move forward in helping his people. I draw your attention to the video screen as you're gonna see an example of an opportunity to be an intercessor.
the children in this video is a representation. They are symbolic of the kids in our church. They're a representation of the children in our community. They're a representation of the children in your household, in your family tree that are special and important to you. And just in two or three days, maybe some of our older students in a number of weeks, they'll be heading back to school to start their education for the spring semester. Be an intercessor. Pray for Belton Independent School District. Pray for Central Texas Christian School. Pray for Providence Preparatory School. Pray for UMHB. Pray for Temple College. These are the schools that are closest in proximity to our local church gathering. Pray specifically for Southwest Elementary School. You've heard about that through the last months as our newly local adopted uh, people group that we're aiming to love on and support and encourage. Pray for our students as they head back to school, be an intercessor. Have you recently been intimately asking, seeking, and knocking on the door of heaven? I'm not trying to find out answers to your prayer life surrounding safety or health, prayers over your food, prayers for a good day versus a poor day, but instead, God is asking you today to take a spiritual inventory of how and when do you pray for other people? Is it every day? Is it frequent? Does it happen at all during the week? Do you promise to do so and then you forget? And that can be easy to do. It can be easy to do. I stumble as an intercessor every now and then. Do you write prayer needs inside your notebook or do you type them into your tablet? Do you follow up with the person in need and if necessary, keep on praying? Are the prayer needs of the people that are in your daily, weekly sphere of life are they on your calendar? And if they are, I know they pop up on your phone. And when they do, when they do, do you then call them? Do you text them? Do you visit them to inquire? And if the need is continuing, do you continue to pray for them? If you do, you're an intercessor, just like Nehemiah. You're already following his Example, an intercessor shows adoration to God in their prayer. They offer confession, which can be hard to do. They agree with God about the sin in their life and they know that they need forgiveness because that sin is a barrier in between their relationship with yourself and with God. And they plead for God's help and direction. People like Nehemiah, if you wanna be like Nehemiah, if you wanna follow his example, if you want to do that, they don't take prayer lightly. They don't take prayer flippantly, not at all. In fact, they take days and weeks and months sometimes in prayer over specific and certain needs, knocking on the door of heaven. As you begin your new year today, commit to being an intercessor for others. If time would allow, I could scan this room and I could point out and I could name people who are intercessors for me and for my, pam my family. You might say, how do you know that? And I'll tell you why. I know it because of the emails that I get. 
I can tell you because of the pieces of mail I get in my mailbox, the pieces of mail that I find in my church mailbox, I can tell you because people drive to my house, they call me out to the mailbox and they ask about this or that and they inquire and they say, how can we continue to pray for you? Just over the past 15 or 16 hours, I've received about three or four different texts from friends, specifically about today. Last night, one of my good, good friends texted me and said, hey, don't forget about the football games today. Enjoy the football games and I'm praying for your message tomorrow. Now that's a good friend. Pastor Logan this morning sent me a text and he said, I'm praying for you. Now he was probably trying to make sure I didn't oversleep and I was fulfilling my role today. I and mean, we all have supervisors, right? But I know Logan prays for me and I'm thankful for that. I had a friend this morning that texted me about eight o'clock and said, I hope things go really well this morning. And I responded back, thanks buddy, I appreciate it. It is a rich gift. Let me repeat that for emphasis. It is a rich gift to be a part of God's personal work in someone's life. It was important to Nehemiah and I hope and pray that it's vital for you as well. As you and I tackle the God-sized plans and tasks and callings that God has for us in this new year, as we seek his plan, let us do so with a tender heart. Let us do so showing a genuine concern for others. May we be people of prayer for others. May we also be willing to speak boldly. Look at chapter two, verses one through eight. Bold leaders are needed today, are they not? Bold leaders are needed today. Yet while boldness is needed Boldness must be controlled by righteous living. A leader must know right from wrong and know the correct thing to do. She or he must then act decisively and boldly carry out the good work or act. Nehemiah was a true leader, a visionary who was bold and righteous. This type of spirit is what allowed him the strength to request and secure a royal commission from the king to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. Nehemiah began with, you can see in your scripture there, if it pleases the king, he said. He continued his boldness by asking if he could travel to Jerusalem to rebuild his city. And of course we know this because we know what Nehemiah's role was. This meant that the king was gonna lose, at least for a season, his main right-hand person, right? The cupbearer. I remind you, the cupbearer's job was to make sure that the king was not poisoned by drink or by food. The king gave his answer. He checked the box. He checked the box. He gave Nehemiah a green light and he said, yes, you can go. Nehemiah ended up staying in Jerusalem for 12 whole years. And in verses seven and eight there in chapter two, it says how he made a few more appeals to the king. First of all, he received a piece of paperwork for his journey that would um, allow for safety for he and his uh, group and escorts that traveled with him. The Bible even says that Nehemiah secured a piece of paper that he was to give the keeper of the king's forest 
a piece of paper to give the leader of the forest to say, this is my golden ticket to get as much lumber as I need to do all the building I need. Here's my piece of paper that says I can get that from you. I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool to me. That's pretty fascinating. And God was paving the way for Nehemiah to do what he needed to do. You see, the Lord's gracious hand was upon Nehemiah. So the Lord stirred the heart of the king to grant Nehemiah's request. You see, Nehemiah was a bold, bold leader. He was fearless. He was intense. Do I have any intense people in the room today? Anybody willing to raise your hand? I see you. Yeah, I have a flavor of intensity myself. I have two illustrations. I have two illustrations that talk about boldness today. One of them I would recommend to you. Probably the other one you can probably let go. My first one on boldness. I've told you before that I'm a runner, right? I'm a runner. And suppose for this story, I am out and about in life walking and walking with my mom. Going for a walk with mom is special. A lot of you have been in prayer for my mom over the last number of weeks, and I thank you for that. You've interceded for her, and God has cared for her. So my mom and I are walking on a path. We're walking along a trail. And let's just say at a certain point, uh, my mom and I have all caught up. We know all the stories. (laughs) We're good. Let's pretend that I believe that we're walking a little bit too slow. And I want to turn this walk into a training run. So I start running. I leave my mom. I start running around the trail. And let's say for, for these purposes, this keyboard is representation of my mom. And I'm running on this training run. And I see in the distance that my mom has fallen down. And she has this look of pain on her face. And she's saying, Eddie, I've, I've, uh, I've sprained my, my ankle. I sprained my ankle. I'm in pain. And well, because this is a training run, I'm probably going to stop and render aid today. I'm going to show her some love. You can laugh at that. My goodness. Right? So let's start the story over. This time, this time, my mom and I are, uh, she's, she's walking on a given day. Let's say I'm running in a competitive race that day and I've paid money and I'm trying to win my division, the male division of 50 to 54. And I run in a competitive race and I'm running on my trail. And let's just so happen that I see somebody off in the distance represented by that keyboard. And it's my mom once again. And I'm running closer and I'm, first of all, I'm flabbergasted that my mom is on the same trail that I'm on on the very same day. And she's there and guess what happened again? She stumbled and she fell and she hurt her ankle. And she says, Eddie, can you stop and help me? And because it's a competitive run, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to say, you're going to want to elevate that and you're going to put ice on it and I might call my dad in just a few minutes, right? That would be boldness. That would be fearlessness. That would be a level of intensity that I would not recommend. I have a second illustration of boldness that I want you to see. And it's again, a representation of a group of children who basically are symbols for us in our church. It's a age demographic. It's a parameter of age that I want you to see where boldness is required. Let's show that video. I'll find myself wanting to please the crowd. I'll find myself wanting to please the crowd. I'll need you to remind me that I should obey God. That I should obey God. I'll act like I don't have any problems. I'll need you to show me how to share my struggles with others. I'll want to have a lot of money so I can buy what I want. 
I'll need you to teach me that my things belong to God. That my things belong to God. I'll struggle with my looks and appearance. I'll need you to remind me that God wonderfully made me. I'll tend to think about myself before others. I'll need you to teach me that the last will become first. The last will become first. The last will become first. I'll think I'm a lot smarter than I actually am. I'll think I'm a lot smarter than I actually am. I'll need you to show me how to learn from God's wisdom. I'll want to avoid hard conversations. I'll want to avoid hard conversations. I'll need you to show me how to speak the truth in love. In love. I'll look for happiness in many different places. I'll need you to show me that joy is found in following Christ. I'll find myself stuck in bad habits. I'll need you to show me the way out. I'll need you to show me the way out. I'll need you. I'll need you. I'll need you. I'll need you. To point me toward Christ when no one else will. To point me toward Christ when no one else will. Nehemiah knew that people needed him. He knew that an entire people group was relying on him. The same is true for you and me. Today in this room, if you are 80 years old, as a 51-year-old, I need you. Look around. Look around the room today. The people in this room need you and I to be visionary leaders who are bold in our speech and open with others about our life walk with Jesus If you're a parent in the room, be reminded that your children need you to be the spiritual leader in your home. If you're of the grandparenting age today, not only do your grandkids need you, but your adult age children need you as well. Be fearless. Be bold. Seek him and he will call you to God-sized tasks, plans, and callings in 2023. For God has a plan for you. Nehemiah was a man with a fearless spirit and a trust in the Lord. He boldly went before the king because he trusted the Lord to guide and help him. And because of this trust, the Lord gave him this spirit of determination to speak openly and boldly. Again, so it is with us. Not only did Nehemiah possess a tender heart have a genuine concern for others, have an attitude of prayer. Along with being bold, he also was a man who exhorted and challenged others. The last verses there in chapter two, nine through 20. The ministry of exhortation, of challenging people to a higher cause than themselves is one of the greatest needs for which the human heart cries. I mean, you could take the strongest male in the room, the strongest female in the room, the most um, proud college student in the room, the most uh, bold and confident teenager in the room. Everyone needs to be encouraged, pushed to do better and to do better and to achieve more. We all know this. If the cause is great enough, most of us will sacrifice much, if not all we have to achieve the cause. In fact, this is the very demand of Christ that he mentions in Luke chapter nine, verses 23 and following, to take up our cross daily and to follow him. Nehemiah was such a man. His journey to Jerusalem and all of his preparations were for the purpose of rebuilding the city and its walls. And the journey from the capital of Susa to Jerusalem would have taken about two or three months And 
There was zero of that travel expedition that's mentioned in scripture. However, after Nehemiah arrived, events begin to happen very, very quickly. Chapter two, verse 10 indicates opposition was right around the corner. Fast forward to chapter five, verse 14. It states that Nehemiah had actually been declared the new governor of Jerusalem and other government officials were fearing Nehemiah politically. They thought that they, he was going to usurp some of their influence. They saw Nehemiah as a threat. In reading verses 19 and 20, you see how he was forced to take a bold stand early against the naysayers. The opponents of this effort were calling it foolish. They were mocking. They were laughing. But thankfully, Nehemiah was walking faithfully with the Lord. So the Lord strengthened him and gave him exactly what he needed to answer those enemies. So what do you do when opposition arises? Do you fight, fight, fight? Do you Slink away just justifying that what you have on your mind and, and your conviction is not valid anyway. You just sort of cast it aside. Do you present the facts as you see them and as you know them? Do you listen to the other person's point of view and then move forward accordingly? Are you a person of peace when opposition arises? Or do you find yourself most comfortable right smack dab in the middle? of the fight. Nehemiah was a man of exhortation. He was a man who challenged others to follow the Lord and to complete their tasks. Likewise, as true believers in the Lord, we must encourage others to commune with God, to keep his commands and to live righteous lives, fulfilling the missions, the callings and the tasks that God has given them. You know, these are the days of complacency, days when many are lethargic, they're self-satisfied, they're unconcerned. Far too many of us have become spiritually lazy, apathetic, disinterested, passive. Some have even become drowsy, sluggish, paying little attention to the word of God, prayer, worship, the other spiritual disciplines. We are living self-centered lives, doing what we want, when we want. Does that resound with you today? I hope not. We disobey God's commands, never giving a second thought to the righteousness that he demands. The fact that as Christians, we must live for Jesus, faithfully worshiping him and bearing strong testimony for him, seldom if ever crosses the minds of many people. If there's ever been a day, if there's ever been a new year where the ministry of exhortation and challenging people to follow Christ is needed, it is today. People like Nehemiah are needed in Bell County today. A person who has a tender heart, who shows genuine concern, a person who is willing to get on their knees and pray for others, one who is bold, and persons who even in the midst of opposition are capable of exhorting and challenging others to be about biblical things. You see, God had a plan for Nehemiah to rebuild the Jewish nation, to lead the people in revival. Today, let us 
look to Nehemiah to teach us that spiritual renewal is constantly needed among God's people. And a spirit of revival can be maintained only through the purifying effect of the word of God. We must live in God's word, read it, study it, apply it to our life. This new year, God has a plan for you. Did you know that? Have you been asking? Have you been seeking? Have you been knocking on the doors of heaven, pleading for God to give you a brand new spiritual divine work that can only be empowered by his Holy Spirit, but God, give me a new work for a new year. October, we rolled into November, being grateful, even through the busy season of December and Christmas, I know many have been in prayer asking God for a new work. And if that's you, that is wonderful. What is that new work? How is that new work going to bring God glory? How is it going to edify his church? And if you haven't, why not? Why not? Don't just sit idly by and let 2023 just pass along saying, eh, eh, whatever's going to happen will happen. No, do not do that. Choose today to follow the example of Nehemiah as you tackle God-sized plans, tasks, and callings in 2023, for God has a plan for you. In the New Testament book of John, we read the words of Jesus where he says, I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. In John 14, 6, what does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one has a relationship with God except through me, is what Christ says. You see, Jesus is willing that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And you do that simply by turning to Jesus, confessing your sin, asking him for forgiveness, Acknowledging that he is the only way to a relationship with God and he will rescue you. That's the good news of the gospel. It doesn't matter what's underneath your shoes. It doesn't matter what the past 12 months of calendar life looks like. It doesn't matter the past five years or 10 years. Jesus can rescue you. In the moment you turn to him in faith, in that moment you become a child of the king. And then and only then, then and only then will you be able to realize that God has a plan for you this new year. He does. He absolutely does. You know, as we conclude our time of corporate worship this morning, if there might be one or more in this room that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, your sin still separates you from God and you believe that he is talking to you, speaking to your heart today, and you want to make a spiritual decision for Jesus on this first day of a new year, I encourage you to do that today. Receive God's gift of forgiveness and grace. In Christ alone is where salvation comes. We have people that are ready to come alongside you and pray for you to help you make that spiritual decision. If you 
need someone to be a person of prayer for you today, if you need an intercessor today before you get in your car, we have someone here for you today. If you simply want to know more information about the life and the ministry of First Baptist Belton and how it impacts the Bell County and the world for the gospel, we have people ready to talk to you about that. I invite you to join me and others right through this middle aisle, through those double doors at what we call Connection Central today. There we have people ready to meet with you and to be with you. Do not get to your car too quick today. I know that that lobby gets congested with all of these people. It's a narrow space. People are coming and going left and right. Do not let that hinder you. All we will do is simply step back into these doors. We'll sit in a back chair. We'll sit in a back pew. There still will be accountability as people are coming in and out, but do not let that deter you. There are people here that want to support you in any spiritual decision that you want to make today. Remember, God has a plan for you in this new year. Bow with me in prayer. God, we do come before you in prayer today and we know that we do not have to beg or plead for your presence for you are with us and we claim your divine presence with us today. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the example. And this is just a fraction of Nehemiah's story. We thank you for it being an example to us on how we might go about our living this year, God, for you. I pray that you would call households individuals, family trees to divine kingdom work, God, this new year. We thank you for the example that Nehemiah has set before us. And as we launch into a, a new 12 months of this year, God, we know that you will be in control. You will always be near us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. You will carry us and sustain us. You will shout with us when we have victories in the middle of our defeats and hard and difficult days amidst our fear, God, you're there as well. And you'll provide strength and you'll make us sturdy. God, and you will draw us closer, Lord, to you. And we hope and pray that you've, we've allowed you to do that through your spirit, Lord, over these last moments as we've spent time in your word. God, may every one of us this new year camp out. May we camp out, God, in your word. And may we seek to be about kingdom work each and every day that we draw breath and put our feet on the ground. Thank you, God, for loving us and for meeting us here today in a time of corporate worship. May this propel us to be people of individual worship this afternoon and all this next week. We trust that that will take place. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.com org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.